Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, I want us to dive into God's Word in John chapter 4, and I want to share with you my favorite biblical account in God's Gospels that changed everything, that really addressed these exact three things. This fear of missing hours, this fear of missing opportunities, this fear of missing others. It starts in John chapter 4. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I'm going to go through a lot. You're only going to see a, a few scriptures because this amazing story this week, I saw there was a subplot that most of the time we just miss. But I need to tell you the story in the biblical account so that you understand when we get to the subplot. But this biblical account is something you may have heard before. It's when Jesus meets the woman at the well. And can I just kind of talk you through this real quick, highlighting a couple of scriptures rather than reading all 47 verses? We have this encounter that's taking place. Jesus is doing amazing things. He is now feeling called to go from to this Galilee and going back and he has this feeling in his spirit that he has to pass through Samaria and in the process of passing through Samaria and you can see all this in John chapter 4 you can follow along as we're going you're going to see the first scripture when we get to verse 15 but I'm giving you he encounters this well he's sitting at the well with his disciples they're like dude we're hungry we're going to go get something to eat he's like I'm chilling I'm going to sit here about that time it's the middle of the day this is not the time when people come out to the well there's so much more that's going on there I literally could probably preach a whole series just on this one biblical account, but I don't have time to do that today. But in the heat of the day, here comes this woman who's coming out in the heat of the day with her jars to get water. And Jesus sees her and says, will you draw me some water? And this woman immediately has a lot of senses come off in her mind. We're going to get to those in a minute. But she literally looks and says, sir, I see that you don't have anything to draw water with. It starts this conversation. And he, he says, but if you would draw me this water. And he gives her this parameter. It's amazing. He says, the water in which you drink, you will be thirsty again. But the water that I come to give, this living water, this well that's going to spring up in you, you will never thirst again. And immediately, the lady's concept is like, ooh, now I want that water. See, here's what I want you to get. Can I read verse 15? Listen to what she says. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. But see, I think that's where a lot of us sit, right? We sit in a point where we say, you know what? I don't want to miss out on what's ours. You mean there's something more? This, this Messiah that's talking about this well that will well up in us, this, this living spring. I don't want to miss out on mine. Like, God, if there's something that I can have, then it's more than what. Like, I want that. Can you get me that? Can you give me that, Lord? Let me have. But here's what's amazing. You need to know today you're not fooling God. Just like this woman at the well wasn't fooling Jesus. See, it, it looks like, oh, isn't that sweet? She's grasping. She's grasping the gospel. No, here's what this woman's doing. She knows that in the heat of the day, she's going to get water every single day, and she's carrying these jars. You know why she's doing that? Because she's the outcast of the city. If you do a little bit of a history about what a well meant and what the well, in particular, Jacob's well, and again, I wish I had more time, but I don't. 
But you'd understand what is a, a hub, a social hub in biblical times is the well. And that's where these people would gather. And she didn't go in the morning when everybody else was going. Why? Because she was the outcast. She was looked at differently. She was not a valued person. She was a devalued person. And so because of that, she would go out in the heat of the day when she knew she wasn't going to run into anybody. You ladies have experienced this, right? You woke up. Life's going crazy. You hadn't had a chance to get up and put yourself together. And you leave the house and you look over at your children, or you look over at your husband, and you're like, oh, I hope we don't run into anybody that I know. And you got to just run over to Aldi's real quick to get one thing, right? And you're literally driving up there going, dear Jesus, please don't let anybody I know be in here. And what happens? Everybody and their mama's there. Like, who knew, right? And you're going, oh, my goodness. Oh. And you immediately start trying to, oh, well, yeah, I just have it. You know, and that's what her, she, her, every day this was this lady's life. So when she's asking Jesus for this living water, Lord, can, can you give me this water so that I won't have to come here and draw water anymore? She hadn't grasped really what God's offering. What she's trying to do is fulfill a social need in her life where she feels embarrassment. She wants to be able to fake it. You know, if I don't have to go out in the middle of the day to the well and I can start faking it even more like that everything's okay. Church, I'm going to tell you what God has put in my spirit for today is we are at a time that, that I literally was talking to some of our staff, Pastor Sam, you know, Miss Haley. Like it's time, like we, we're in this amazing nest and we're all growing and God's doing a lot of amazing things. And today's like, like let's, we got to go fly. And you know what you can't do? You can't fake it. Her whole purpose behind asking Jesus for this water wasn't that she really wanted to participate in what Jesus had to offer. It's the fact that she thought this would help her life and benefit her more. What does it look like in 2021? Well, you know, I don't want to go to hell. I'd like to accept Jesus because heaven sounds a whole lot better. Like, entering a relationship with Jesus based on salvation is amazing, but it's a terrible place to stop. That's a consumer mentality. You're entering into a relationship with God based on the fear of you missing out on something, that, like, I want to go get mine, ours. And listen to what Jesus does. He literally reads her mail. Like, he's like, <laughs> okay, listen to this. Then in the next verse, verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Like he immediately encounters her at a very real place and says, okay. He didn't say no. He didn't say we couldn't do this. He says, go get your husband. In which she responds, because Jesus knows more about what she's saying than even what her words are saying. But if we will stop long enough and observe, in fact, people will tell you more with what they're doing than what they're saying every time. And listen to her response. Because she's worried about missing out on ours, she also is getting worried about an opportunity, right? And so she responds, I have no husband. Jesus says, go get your husband. And immediately she's like, I don't want to miss out on ours. I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. I don't have no husband. 
Listen to me. I think there's a lot of times that we think nobody knows. And can I tell you today, everybody sees it. You're not fooling nobody. I don't say that belittling or degrading. I'm saying that to give you freedom, let you know that it's okay. Like Jesus is wanting her to receive this opportunity, but he's trying to get her to understand truly what this opportunity, what this hours, what this relationship is like. And I promise, Jesus' biggest desire is not just to resolve your social conflicts. Jesus' biggest desire is not just to resolve some of the things that you struggle with. Jesus' desire is for you to understand exactly who he is and what he has done for you so that he can give you life and give you life more abundantly. And so he replies, and I'm going to go back into paraphrasing for a minute because there's a lot to this story. So he replies, well, you reply correctly because you don't have a husband. In fact, you've got five husbands, and the person you're living with right now is not actually your husband. Now, could you imagine that response? That's like when you were a kid and your parent asked you a question and you said, no, I don't do that. And then they have whatever they were asking about proving that you're lying. And you're like, oops. Like you're at that point where like, well, I'm busted. So I might, not, might as well not ride this ship all the way to the bottom. I'm at least going to get off and start kicking towards the top. Like I'm busted. This lady's going, oops. Can I real quick? I can't, I can't do this without. There's so much more to a well in biblical times. They're at Jacob's well. You know, Jacob, Rachel, who met at a well because she took care of the horses and the people. Like, like there's, this, there's this natural concept that when Jesus says, are you married, she's immediately knowing the story of people's past. And so because she knows the story of the fathers of biblical times before her, she's thinking, hey, here's an opportunity. And it was an amazing opportunity, but it wasn't for marriage. It wasn't for dating. It was for eternal life. See, can I, can I put something that I, that I wrote down? A lot of you guys know I, I do read a lot of books. My favorite Author is a guy named Mark Batterson. I would recommend anything that he writes. It's phenomenal. And he, and he made this comment in a book that I'm currently reading for the second time. And, and I just want to read it. I, I, I wish, you know, there's sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, man, I wish I'd come up with that. Man, I could, that was good. But I'll just give him the credit, right? Here's what he said. If we do what they did in the Bible, we might experience what they experienced. If we do what they did in the Bible, we may experience what they experienced. That's what this lady's dealing with. She knows the story of the well. She knows the story of what's going on. And so when Jesus asked this, she's like, well, hey, I'm going to experience what they experienced. The problem is she was missing it because she didn't understand truth. And so this comes into this whole diatribe, and she literally goes, well, I perceive that you're a prophet, which is AK like, yeah, got me. And they start this continued conversation talking about worshiping 
not just on this mountain, but going to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus is trying to help her to understand exactly who he is and what this living water is and what it is, this spring that she's wanting to well up. You know, he's wanting to well up in her, trying to get her to grasp the immensity of what's really going on. This is more than just an opportunity. And listen to what picks up. This won't be on the screen, but we'll get to something on the screen in a minute. In verse 29. The woman said to him, listen to the truth that's already been poured into her. The woman said to Jesus, I know that a Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. You know, I love this story because despite the poor decisions this lady has made in her life, Somebody has still poured biblical truth into her. And guess what? God's word won't return void. So no matter where you're at in your life, you need to know that that spirit that's in you, that reason why you're sitting there going, I don't even know how I ended up here. I'm literally like at a high school and I'm in a church service. And I don't know. Trust me, there are people that have come before you that have poured into you and you're actually seeing that seed well up in you and there's a reaping that's going to come and there's a harvest that's going to come if you'll catch the story of what's going on. Because Jesus replies with these words. I am him. He literally just read her mail, told her everything that's going on in her life. She says, I perceive that there's going to be a Messiah that will tell us all things. Jesus had just told her all things. And he says, I am him. And listen to how she reacts. In verse 29, you'll see this on the screen. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, listen to verse 29. If you have a paper Bible, underline this. If you're on electronic, highlight it. Come see. A man who told me all that I'd ever did, can this be the Christ? Come see. And see, this lady goes from being the outcast, devalued, like I'm going in the heat of the day in a desert area, the Middle East. This would be the Western Bank in our current time in Israel. If you know anything about that land, you basically have like these rivers and these lakes, and it's beautiful. And you go about 12 miles, and you're in the desert, and it's hot, and it's horrible. Is she in the heat of the day because she's so devalued and an outcast is going to get this water. But in the instance, somebody let her know who she really was and who he really was being the Christ. She dropped everything and went to the people that had mistreated her. And you know what she said? Come and see. Come and see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? See, it's that others, right? Immediately she goes from getting what's ours to this opportunity to being consumed with others. She immediately starts going and going, you've got to come and see this. I have in my mind this mental picture. Like, what would it look like if a group of people, rather than talking about everything that they think they are or should be, what if we lived a come and see type lifestyle? 
Rather than trying to justify or, or try to make right something that we're dealing with from our past, what if we accept that, you know what, I can't really do anything to change that, but I can't accept a Savior that forgives that. And once I get to that point, I don't have to go and try to convince anybody of anything. Like there's this fear of missing out. What I can do is just say, hey, I ain't going to argue with you. I'm not going to debate with you. We don't have to have this big, long conversation. Here's what I'm going to do. Why don't you come and see? Why don't you just come and see? Well, you know what the people did? We're going to drop down. In verse 39, they went. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That one part, when she told them, I have met this Savior. Could he be the Christ? This is the man that has told me everything I've ever done. They've got intrigued, and so they go just because of that one testimony to see. And then something miraculous happens. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, listen to this transition, this is the powerful moment, right? They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. You want me to tell you what one of our biggest issues is as the church? Is we think we're in the business of salvation. And Scripture is very clear. He says salvation is a 100% something of Christ, of God. You know what your job is? You're in the come and see business. So can I ask you a question? Somebody walking around with your life, what are they seeing? You say, but Mickey, you don't understand. People don't treat me right. You don't understand. You don't know my past. You don't understand some of the struggles I'm going through. You don't understand these addictions that I've got. You don't understand these past relationships I've got. You don't understand that like you're talking about life and life more abundantly. Well, for me, I'm just kicking as hard as I can just to get above water just long enough so I can take a breath. Like, Pastor, that sounds great on stage because your life's probably all great and grand. Hey, you know what? Come and see. Come and see if there's not a very real person standing. You know what happens every day when somebody gets up? You know, I hurt. I bleed. I breathe. I parent. I love. You know what my biggest, I told Haley this the other day, you know what my biggest desire right now in my life is? I want to be a better husband. I want my wife, now don't mishear me, me and my wife have an amazing relationship, but I want her to adore me, not adore me like, ooh, that's my man. I want her to be like, by golly, mm, yeah, that's my man right there. Like, like he treats me right. He does the right thing. He loves me well. He protects me well. I want to be the biggest hero at my home rather than biggest hero on this stage. You say, well, why don't you do that? Because I get in this fear of missing out and I start thinking about everything else. And I think God's calling us to say, you know what, quit worrying about everything. Just come and see. Come and see warts and all. I ain't got to put up this big you know, facade like, ooh, we got it. Like, hey, I'm real. You know, spend some time with my oldest son, Easton. He'll tell you real quickly, yeah, that joker is real. Son, don't tell him too much, right? Don't tell him too much. But what would it look like if we invited people to come and see the reality of who we are? And understand that we ain't got to try to qualify like Jesus is something because of who I am. But despite who I am, look at who Jesus is.
That's what these people did. Listen, uh, here's, here's what I wrote down. I, I want to make sure I don't miss it. And I'm running out of time so quick, and we didn't even got to the main message yet. So you're going to have to bear with me, but it's going to go quickly. This lady goes from being the outcast of the city to being the one that got everybody's ear. This lady goes from totally devaluing to being the most valuable person where the guys are going, because of her, look at what God did. And this lady also turned around and took a group of people that had once belittled and used her for their own pleasure to become a group of people called the Samaritans that own it when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? He can use anybody. Isn't it amazing how quickly we try to quantitate who's actually able to be somebody that God's going to use? But as amazing as that is, and there's actually a sub-story within my favorite biblical account. There's, a, there's something that we just skim over and we don't ever think about it. And it's where I want to spend the next eight minutes. In between the woman running off to get everybody and them coming back, there's a sub-biblical account story in the story of the woman at the well that we never, ever talk about. And I believe it's where you're sitting and where I'm sitting. Don't mishear me. I think there's a decision to be made today that you've got to ask yourself, am I ready to start living a come-and-see life? But listen to this sub-story. It starts in verse 31. Meanwhile, isn't that great? It, it's like a TV show, you know, like, meanwhile, back at the... Meanwhile, the disciples... Now, who are the disciples? These are the people that said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm leaving everything, and I'm going with him. Like these are the believers who haven't quite yet believed, but they're closer than most because they're going to spend three years with the Messiah. They've left to go get something to eat, and now they've come back. And listen to what they start doing. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples, being the amazing people, they start talking to each other, saying, uh, who gave him something to eat? Has anyone brought him something to eat? Which one of you did it? You're trying to get in good with the Messiah. Which one of you going behind the back? We said we would give him, you know, like we were going to do this together. One of you's like, hey, I'm sneaking in, like I'm your favorite. You know, and Jesus replies to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Can I tell you? You can have a fear of, of missing out on hours. We can have a fear of missing out on opportunities. We can have a fear of missing out on others. But I'm going to tell you that none of those things are going to satisfy you. They may help quench a thirst that's in you to do something more. But I'm going to tell you, the void, the mechanism that Jesus talks about, that God talks about in Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, the wisest man ever lived, he talks about how God's put a void or a mechanism in our heart. I believe it's chapter 1, verse 4. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure that's where it is, where we have this mechanism that's going to help us to go back to, we know that there's something more. And I'm going to tell you what the more is. It's to do God's will. And you know that applies in your relationship with Christ. 
it's astounding to me how people want to petition God to bless them and do something amazing, yet they want to go do whatever they want to do. Are you the person that's more than just saved by grace? Are you the person that God's looking for to do something amazing? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to live a come-see life? Are you willing to be empowered? Are you willing to go on a journey? Are you willing to say yes even when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to be patient even when you're eager? Are you willing to be in a situation to let God grow you up, understanding that he's really good at this thing called life? Because I don't know if you know this, he's the creator of it. And so if you will let him orchestrate your steps, it's going to be amazing. But I want to do it now. I'm ready to do this now. I know God's called me to do this now. Why can't I do this now? Because maybe, just maybe, you're wanting to do it. And God's saying, I want you to do it too. But i got to make sure who's in charge here. And then he continues the story. This is the part that I got emotional about because I literally believe that this is where we are as Crossroads Community Church. He said, do you not know? There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and you see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is rejoice is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sowers and reapers may rejoice together. They're not going to compete. There's not this, well, I've been sowing this seed, but this person's picking the fruit. That's not really fair. I mean, like, like I was talking to this person. I've been talking to this person all the time. And all of a sudden, they're just going to swoop in. And that's not what it's about. The sower and the reaper are going to rejoice together. Why? Because the key is in the fruit, not in who's picking it. And then listen to what he says. This is the part for crossroads. This is the part for you. This is the part for me. Verse 37 and 38. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. (laughs) I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. I don't know why God's favor is on Crossroads Community Church. Well, actually, I do. It's called obedience. But I truly believe that you're sitting in a moment that you're trying to justify that God's going to do certain things in your life, and you're trying to justify with your actions that it would be okay for God to do something in your life, and God's trying to tell you, listen to me, you are going to reap where you have not sown. You're going to have stuff in your life that you didn't earn. You're going to have moments in your life that aren't going to make sense. And you're going to say, why is God blessing me? Can I tell you why? Because he loves doing it. See, it's not about having the right programs, the right policies, the right procedures. Don't mishear me. We believe in four characteristics here. In everything we do, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to do things with excellence. And we're going to do them with the right attitude. See, I believe that we pray like it depends on God, but we work like it depends on us. I'm not talking a lazy type faith. 
I'm not talking to anybody going, whoo, man, I've been waiting for this message for like 20 years. Basically, pastor telling me, I'm going to reap what I'm not going to sow, so I'm sitting back here doing nothing. I ain't talking about a doing nothing lifestyle. I'm talking about a come and see lifestyle. And when somebody says, well, why? Why is it that you see God blessing you? Why is it that it's not, well, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you the why. You ready? It's because of a cross. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection and everything he became to us as Lord and Savior, he said, you know what? I've already sown it. I just need some workers. I'm not asking you to plant the field. I'm not asking you to do all the work. Because harvest is hard. If anybody's ever been on a farm, you'll know a lot of people, when they get done with the harvest, they go on a vacation. They're like, we got to get away. It's hard. But God's saying, listen, I want to benefit you with things that you didn't even have a part of being a part of your life. Why? Because I'm God, and I say yes, and that's my authority. I am the creator of the world, and I can say yes even when people don't deserve it. But will you do me a favor? As I bless you, will you ask people to come and see? You know what our gift to God is? As he gives us this life and gives us life more abundantly, is to not live life simply for yourself. To not get so consumed thinking, oh man, this is awesome. Look at what God's doing. This, wow, God is so great to me. Listen, he's not doing this just for you, even though he is doing it for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his life. I mean, he did it for the one. He left the 99 for the one. Like he did all this stuff for you. But the ultimate goal is the reason why he's doing it for you is he's praying that you'll say, come and see. And I believe that this summer that's where we're sitting. Like the goal is for you to leave here and live a come and see life. And before you say you can't, listen to me. God sent me here to tell you today you can. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.